1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good
2: afternoon. You are listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. you heard about the app. Get it free at WFIL.com. Put on your smartphone or tablet and carry us with you wherever you go. Yeah, a lot of sunshine today. 97 the high. 74 for the uh, low tonight with clear skies. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow. And a high of only 96. Yes, cool wave coming through tomorrow down a whole degree. Sports, Phillies are at the Yankees tonight. Couple hours from now, 6 05, for their final exhibition game. Phillies lost 4 1 to Baltimore yesterday. They uh, have their regular season opening up on Friday. The Phillies will be home against Miami at 7 05. Night before, a couple of games actually open the overall major league schedule Yankees at Washington at 7, and San Francisco at the Dodgers at 10. If you can't wait to get your baseball fix going, that's a Thursday for that. Then the rest of the teams get in action on Friday. And the Eagles signing uh, their first-round draft pick, Jalen Rager. He's a, a four-year contract with an option for a fifth year. He was their first-round pick, number 21 overall. And uh, you may remember the name if you're an Eagles fan, diehard Eagles fan. His dad played for the Eagles, Monte Rager, uh, back in the uh, late 2000s. Had a chance to be part of the draft Zoom call program. Uh, deal with the Eagles when uh Rager was drafted and uh, he was asked well so like what do you think you bring to the table for the Eagles? And here's what he had to say.
3: To be honest, I feel like I'm just the most versatile. I can do everything. And uh you know, I feel like I haven't I haven't even got close to my ceiling. And, you know, I can I can play any position. Like I said, uh when I'm on the field it's more than eleven players on the offense. So uh Really, just just the way I play my game. And I feel like it's, it's on film, and uh, it's going to be fun, and I'm ready to play.
2: I love that quote. <laughs> when I'm on the field, there more are more than 11 players on there. And, of course, each side has 11, so he's basically saying, uh, I'm going to be more than one player. I'll be one point something, maybe even two. But you like that confidence. Confidence is not bragging, right? And some people say it's not bragging if you can back it up. But in any case... Glad to have them on the team. They are uh, getting training camp ready to roll soon. And uh, we'll see as sports slowly starts to open up, cautiously, of course. And uh, uh, today, what I want to do is uh, focus on something that I think is timely anytime, specifically encouragement. And uh, we have a guest who's going to be joining us shortly. His name is Ron Walders. Now, Ron's a pastor for many years, also worked in radio for many years for our parent company, Salem Media Group. If you've ever been to a pastor's appreciation breakfast or one of the women in ministry events we typically have in the fall, Ron is uh, has been to many of those over the years. He's the kind of guy that lights up the room. As soon as he walks in, the energy level goes up and has a big smile on his face, uh, and, but it's because he loves the Lord a lot. He's a very joyful man, and um, his gift and a desire, really, is to be an encourager and to encourage uh, others to do the same thing. So he has a book out. Yeah, I'm not sure when it was written. It's not too long ago. But it's called Letters to Pastors. It's actually old in the sense that he has a pastor's letter he's been writing for many years. You can subscribe to that, by the way, if you like, at WFIL.com. I think if you go to the uh, More tab at the top of the homepage drop-down menu, one of the options is Grow Your Faith. And then uh, one of the options there is the uh, Ron Walters Pastor's Letter. It's done every month, and so you're welcome to subscribe there or just read it on the website. So this book that I want to just recommend your way and we'll be chatting with Ron about is simply called Letters to Pastors. And um, before we uh, bring Ron in in a few moments, I want to just read a little something to you It's just short. The whole book is comprised of 50 chapters. Each chapter is only a couple pages. Very readable, sense of humor, a lot of Scripture mixed in. And um, let me just do this if you kind of give you a taste of of what we're talking about. Chapter 2 in this book, Letters to Pastors, by Ron Walters, is called God is Not in a Hurry. And this is how it reads. To an eagle, timing is everything. Speaking of a little sports report there, like the segue, there is a time to build a nest, a time to hatch an egg, a time to feed the baby eaglet, and a time to teach this young couch potato bird how to fly. Flight school in the eagle family is a big deal. The fun begins as the mother eagle wraps her mighty talons around her young freeloader for his first liftoff. Mother will soar two miles high while her horrified baggage gets his first look at the world. When the time is right, she retracts her muscular claws, and the young eaglet is on his own, free-falling, tumbling, screaming, and facing certain death as the ground quickly approaches. But, at the perfect moment, the ever-watching mother tucks her wings and makes a beeline for the panicky kid. She zooms past the tumbling feather ball, levels off, spreads her massive wings, and catches her young on her back. This routine is rehearsed over and over until the eaglet learns to fly. Using this illustration, God reminded Moses, I've held you up on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. What's true about the eagle is true about God. Timing is everything. God's precise moves, though often questioned, are always calculated. But whereas he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother... One truth remains, God is never in a hurry. His creation serves as evidence. Towering redwoods, blue ice glaciers, our sun's fuel tank, all speak of a creator who bides his time. God is simply not in a hurry. It's not as though God can't go faster. After all, it took him only six days to create an entire universe. But God's dealings with mankind have always been in real time, and in some cases, real slow time. For example, God's building project for Noah took 100 years to complete. God's promise to give Abraham and Sarah a child took 25 years to fulfill. God waited 400 years before he sprang the children of Israel from Egypt. No, God will not be rushed. He even uses a different calendar. One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. In other words, he's timeless. Meanwhile, we pastors try to set a fire under God's throne as though he needs prompting. We see issues that can't wait. A long illness, a smoldering church feud, or a wayward child. We want help with pew-sitting dragons, undisciplined disciples, and divisive staff members. We want to know why our church hasn't blossomed the way other churches have. We've got questions and the answers are slow in coming. Sound familiar? From the patriarchs of old to the pastors of today, God's leaders have always asked the same questions. When? And why not now? To paraphrase his answer to Isaiah, "'My timing is not your timing. Neither are your deadlines my deadlines.'" And yet, his unusual timing is the very thing we boast about most. Abraham was resigned to kill Isaac when God provided a ram substitute. Joseph was on death row with no hope of parole when God orchestrated his promotion to prime minister of Egypt. And Moses sat between Pharaoh's hard-charging army and an impassable Red Sea. Then God did what he does best. He made a way where there was no way. Timing is everything. Our timing is best when we wait on him. And like the mother eagle, God may let us free fall, but he's never lost one of his kids yet. That's Ron Walters from his book, Letters to Pastors, chapter two, out of the 50 chapters that are in that book. That's just a two-pager. The book designed for pastors, but I think can benefit Anybody, because these are words of encouragement and truth. We'll talk to Ron about that in a few moments. And uh, hopefully that's an encouragement to you. More to come. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL
1: app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com
2: 415, the 10 to show WFIL a little toasty today yeah (laughs) Martha Reese, the Vandellas knows all about it gradually going to drop over the course of the week, but not by much. Maybe the high 80s by the end of the week, FYI. So our guest on the program, Ron Walters, who is a pastor, big-time encourager, been in Philadelphia many times from our corporate headquarters over the years with the pastor's appreciation breakfast, many other events. He often introduces the speaker at these events and uh, the women in ministry events we had in the fall, among others. How you doing, sir? I'm
4: fine, Tim. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> folks
2: may know your name uh, because, among other things, there is a pastor's letter on our website that uh, you have written for a long time, and folks can uh, subscribe to it, which we'll let them know about more later. But when we had, when I first got here a couple years ago, I remember one of my first phone calls was with you, and you were very passionate about the um, the role. Of who at WFIL connects with the pastors in the community, and that that desire to bridge the gap between radio and local churches. I, I don't know if I said very much at all because you had you were just gushing with like uh, <laughs> you know desire to say, Tim. I know you're new here. Like, tell me what you see, and maybe you can be in it and all that. So welcome aboard. I, I, that that's a little backdrop. To tease our our (laughs) listeners. And you've written a book called Letters to Pastors. So I want to talk about that book, Chicken and Egg. Start with that, if you would. The The pastorate and radio. Which was first for you?
4: Well, it uh, it was pastoring, uh, quite frankly. It, it's a, it's a funny story and I'm embarrassed to tell it, but I'm going to do it now, uh, because you've asked. Him. That's good. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I loved pastoring. Pastoring was my life. I just, I mean, it, it's a passion to teach and lead the people of God. I love that. I mean, I absolutely love that. And yet I know that the Lord was using that to prepare me for what became, I suppose, my signature ministry. And that's what happened within radio. But when radio first called, when the Salem family about 30 years ago called me and they said, uh, uh, what do you know about Christian radio? I said, well, I, I don't listen to it, so I don't know much about it, and I think people who do, ought to get off their dust and into church where they belong, that was my prejudice. And so lo and behold, I was hired by Salem to somehow to bridge that gap, to somehow show the church that... that That Christian radio can easily be a part of it. It needs to be it because we're we're feeding the same clientele and same crowd. There's 168 hours in every week, and typically, a Christian might find himself in church for one or two of those hours, but there's 166 more hours. How do we feed, how do we encourage in this very difficult society and culture, how do we encourage Christians to keep on keeping on and making the main thing the main thing? And that's what uh, Christian radio was able to do. And so I got into that, but my background was really pastoring, and and so I perhaps brought a different skew to the radio field, and I I was the general manager of our our Salem station station, in San Diego, and then went on to San Francisco for another 10 years after that. And I think that my forte was always reaching out to the Church, to the Church, to the Church. And so the pastor's letters became a thing. I've, I've been writing them, golly, for maybe about 28, 29 years I've been writing these pastor's letters, and there's there two full purposes of the, three, well, but two full purposes, really. One is to give what I call stealable material to pastors.
2: Yes, thou uh, shalt not steal, I, except in the case of the letters in your book. They're, that's okay.
4: <laughs> Indeed it is, and I give carte blanche to anybody who wants to steal. I work very hard in those letters to come up with material, because every pastor is always in research mode. They're always looking for stuff by which they can integrate into their own teaching from the pulpit every week. And and I know that role very well because I continue to fill pulpits all over the country. And so I know that, that need for new information, new new everything. And so these pastors became that these pastors' letters became that stealable information that I wanted to provide to pastors. The second reason and, and terribly important was Every one of these letters is to encourage pastors to keep on keeping on. The ministry, pastoring a church, is an exceedingly difficult job. In fact, there's no pastor who has a peer, no senior pastor has a peer within his church. He's one of a kind. There's nobody that he's really can share all his woes to, and perhaps even all his fears and blessings to, uh, because there's no here or there. And so that guy, that woman, whomever that senior pastor is, needs to have somebody who resonates on that level uh, and who encourages them, who understands their side of the pulpit, and that's what these letters became. And then I said the third thing is just to connect the radio station to the church and to bridge that gap, which in Philadelphia, we've done a marvelous job over the years of doing that. I'm very proud of that work.
2: Ron Walters is our guest. Uh, he's written the book, Letters to Pastors, and uh, you mentioned those events. For example, one reason folks may also know you besides the pastor's letter, which, again, folks can subscribe to through com. Uh, you click the More tab, and there's a uh, Grow Your Faith tab. That's where you'll find uh, Ron's letters. Uh, in fact, there's one for July that just popped up. But like at the pastors' appreciation breakfast, we typically have in April. This year was uh, altered, so you know that's that's different. Uh, we've had a lot of women event, uh, uh, you know, events for women in the fall, and there been other things that you've been in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, flying all over the country really because Philadelphia. While we're glad to have had you here many many times, you also part of the role that you had eventually with, with Salem, was uh, to travel all over, right, and support all these events and really cheer cheer them on.
4: Yeah, and, and I love doing that. Um, having been a pastor and having known the need to be encouraged myself as a pastor, um, we, we've launched these pastor's events uh, in San Francisco about 28, 29 years ago now, Tim, and it was just, uh, we brought in Chuck Swindoll to, to to 220 pastors that was our very first one many many years
3: ago wow
4: and i and i remember seeing that and thinking you know there's something here we've got something i think and so the next year we brought in john MacArthur to speak to the pastors we had 235 pastors i thought well it's growing this is exciting and so we began doing it every year and pretty soon the president and ceo of salem uh came to to that event just to see it in action he'd heard about it and he saw it, and he sat me down later. and He said, "Ron, I want you to make sure these things happen all over the country, in every city that our radio stations are. Develop a pastors appreciation event, and so that became a mandate of mine. Uh, and And I was sent out to do that, and then ultimately we got. I mean, we had we had. Uh, I think at the peak, Tim something like hundred and two different." pastors, and women's events all over the country. And so it was crisscross from, from Boston to Honolulu, from Seattle to Miami, uh, just overseeing and watching these things develop. And in time, we have, uh, uh, over all these years, we have had something like maybe four to 500,000 pastors who have been under our, our umbrella at one or more of these events where we were able to encourage them Uh, In the work. And I can't tell you, I mean, I literally cannot tell you how many times a pastor has come up after this event uh, to thank us for what we're doing for them and then would pull out from his coat pocket his resignation. He said, I want you to know, I was going to read this on Sunday and yet would tear it up because he said, Now I understand. Somebody gets it. Somebody knows what we're going through. And I've been finally encouraged by that. And and they're, they're going to keep on keeping on. So those things, I mean, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about over the years how many guys have been retained in the work because of those events.
2: Amen. Ron Walters, our guest, he's a pastor, radio guy, author of the book Letters to Pastors, which we're talking about. Travels the country for our parent company, Salem Communications, to encourage radio stations and pastors at their events, like the Pastors Appreciation Breakfast and the Women in Ministry events. We'll keep our conversation going here in just a moment. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thanks for hanging out
1: today. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com.
2: the tune of a high of 97 today on a sun. Low of 74 tonight. Six of clouds and so, uh, sun tomorrow high, 96. Toasty, to say the least. Hydrate, please. Phillies at the Yankees, 6.05 tonight. Season opener for them is Friday, home against Miami at 7.05. And The Eagles signing first-round pick Jalen Rager to, the, to his rookie contract four-year deal option for a fifth. Had a chance to talk with uh, Jalen Rager when he was drafted back in April, and he talked at the time about the opportunity to play with Carson
4: Wentz. I
3: mean, it's Carson Wentz. Uh, I mean, I feel like it, his name speaks for itself, and uh, just the fact that you know, I get to be all, I get to be alongside those guys. And now you know, it's just it's just a surreal feeling. Like I watch Carson Wentz, you know, I watch them play. I'm like, wow, like, this dude is amazing. Then now he's my quarterback, so it's like. It's just, like I said, it's a real feeling, uh, and and ultimately it's a blessing.
2: That's Eagles wide receiver Jalen Rager Uh, as Father Monte played for the Eagles back in the late 2000s. We're um, having a nice conversation today with Ron Walters, who has been in Philadelphia many times. Ron is an author. He's a pastor. He's a radio guy. He has worked for our parent company, Salem uh, Media Group, for many, many years and has toured the country, really as an encourager. That's, his, I'd say, the first and foremost thing that he has done at the events that we have, the pastor's appreciation breakfast, the women in ministry events, showing up often, kind of warming up the crowd a bit as uh, the main speaker would then come on, and he's always been around to meet with the local church pastors, and just to be an encourage, which is a great thing. And that's where, when I came across his book, Letters to Pastors, uh, this certainly applies to pastors, that's what it's called, but it also, uh, well— you know, it can it can go beyond that. So our, that's where our our conversation um, uh, is happening today. Talk about that book a little bit, because I'm I'm going to guess number one, it's, it says letters to pastors, but the way it's written, theoretically, I'm correct That really anybody could pick it up and be encouraged by it and learn from it, and even have like a, a devotional at their dinner table with it.
4: Yeah, it, it, that's the way it is written. It, it really is. It, the The origin of it was one of the senior management guys from Salem many years ago uh, uh, told me, said, why don't we put these into a book, these letters to pastors, why don't we put them into a book and make them, you know, available to all of our constituency listening to our radio stations? And I said, no, 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 absolutely not. They're not written for the constituency. They're written for that fraternity of pastors, and I'm really protective of them. Okay, so they, they let that go for about a year, and they came back about a year later and they said, I'm sorry, I mean, whereas you think it's for pastors, we're all reading them, and people all of, all of our staff are reading, and, and we're getting letters from people saying, I've been reading this book, where are there more of these? And so they are reading the letters, and are there more of these letters? And so they finally convinced me that we need to put them into a book form, and that's what we did. Uh, into the book called "Letters to Pastors," but they really are just individual letters that are written out on a monthly basis over all these years to pastors, and we compiled a whole bunch of them into that book.
2: Yeah, and and, the, and my understanding is, in the beginning, it was when your days in San Francisco that they went out to several dozen
4: pastors, perhaps, but it quickly grew. Yeah, it, we had uh, we had just the mailing list for our San Francisco station, and we were sending them out to them, and that. That list grew to about three to five thousand uh, in San Francisco, and then again, corporate came along and said, "Why don't you send these letters out to other markets like Philadelphia and so forth?" And so I sheepishly contacted the GM in Philadelphia and DC and New York and Pittsburgh and Houston and on and on. "Do you want this? Do you want this?" And they said, "Yeah." So so then it began to spread, and uh, and there was a peak. I remember that we were. We were at uh, uh, fifty thousand pastors receiving that that uh, that monthly letter, and and then we flipped over to uh, to an email delivery, which made it so much easier, so much more cost effective. I don't even know how many are getting it today. Hmm. Uh, and it's been repurposed in Preaching Magazine and stuff like that, so it, it really has a life of its own.
2: Well, I know in your intro, you you talk about Solomon saying there's nothing new under the sun, and uh, mentioning. That encouraging pastors is not a new idea, but a very necessary one. And so there's, I think there's, it it serves its purpose because you set it up. It doesn't have to be something that no one ever thought of before, and yet it's, I guess the need is so great, and the way it's put together uh, really serves that functional purpose because you could almost read these chapters. They're you know two or three pages long. You could read these as a as as a mini sermon, surrounded with some music, and (laughs) you. almost maybe read the passages a little more fully but that because they're creatively done and you 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 mentioned that that's important part of why uh, even Jesus's preaching was effective was they, they talked about no one had ever seen the preaching like this before or had heard it this way before he, he was an, engage, an engaging speaker the way he brought his message so yeah
4: yeah and and Tim, it cannot be understated the need for encouragement to pastors um uh, for example, if you go back to a biblical picture and look at the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those are the years of the Exodus when the people of of, of Israel were, were freed from Egypt and brought to the Promised Land, God's family, and, and covers 40 years in those four books. The word encouragement is found two times, just two, in 40 years, four books of the Bible— Encouragement is found only two times, and both times it's Moses encouraging the troops. Not once did they encourage him. And then you move on in Scripture, and you'll find David, King David, ruling over the nation of Israel for forty years. And in those books, which are found in First in and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you'll find the word encouragement found three times. Once. When Jonathan encouraged David, how precious that is. Second of all, when when uh, uh, um, David encouraged himself in the Lord, or the Lord encouraged him. And the third time is when David, after the loss of a baby, his baby died, he cleaned himself up and went out and encouraged the troops to keep on battling for for the purposes of God and for the nation of Israel. The next time you find it, you'll, you'll get into the book of Job, where Job is sitting on an ash heap, having lost everything. His life had been devastated, and his, quote, three friends, were all familiar <laughs> with those guys, <laughs> yeah. his three friends came to find out what's wrong with you, what did you do wrong, and for chapters they nailed Job to the wall trying to find out what did he do wrong. And the Bible tells us that during that time, Job encouraged them. They didn't encourage Job. And then you go, you can get into Acts 27, where Paul is on his way to what he knows will be his death in Rome. And he's on this ship, and the ship gets lost at sea through storm after storm. Everything is lost, and in the midst of it, of, of uh, hundreds of people on that ship, seasick, every one of them, including Paul, The Bible says he got up and twice it says he encouraged them. No one encouraged him. And there you have the, the night before the crucifixion, there's Jesus with his, with his staff, with his disciples in the upper room. And he tells them for the 16th time, literally, I'm going to have to die. And in the midst of all that, all of it discourse, he encourages them. And not one of them encouraged him, even though he was on his way in hours to the cross. Encouragement is something that leaders give, but it begs the question, who encourages the leaders? And that's what, Tim, you and I do on a constant basis when we're on radio or when we're in front of audiences talking to the church, we need our church constituency, people who love the Lord, who follow His Word, who who fallen in love with Jesus, they need to encourage their pastors because there are so few people who do that.
2: Ron Walters is our guest. He's a pastor, he speaks around the country on behalf of our uh, parent company, Salem Media Group, at pastor's appreciation breakfast and uh, women in ministry events, and helps introduce the speakers and build relationships between radio stations and pastors and just a gregarious guy. Loves the Lord a lot. Encouragement is his calling card. Wants to encourage you to do the same thing. And the book we're chatting about today is simply called Letters to Pastors. We'll keep our conversation with Ron Walters going in just a moment. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. By the way, you are always welcome to download podcasts of our programs right from our homepage at WFIL.com. You can subscribe wherever you happen to get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Podcast Podcast, and all that stuff. You listen to am 560 WFL.com and on the app.
1: Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues.
2: How you feeling? 441. You feel Tim DeMoss Show. How you feeling? Feel so admittedly, it's a little warm today. I'm thinking we should give away some gift cards to Rita's courtesy of Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown. Is that a brilliant idea or what? Text me at 610 500 Dove. 610 500 83 We'll make a few random winners Give you enough to get a couple of nice water ices 610 500 3683 send a text in We'll draw a few winners between now and the end of the program While you're doing that, we're keeping our conversation going with Ron Walters, pastor, radio guy, and uh, talking about the book, Letters to Pastors. Talk about, if you would, Ron, the need for encouragement. Just how important it is, including for pastors.
4: We live in a negative society. I mean, just turn on the news. Just Don't turn on too much of it. Just turn on the news (laughs) and see if we aren't living in a negative society. And there's something about criticism and with the internet and and all of the the Twitter and the, and the Instagram and the the Facebook, we can criticize anybody and everybody. It becomes, it becomes a part of our vernacular to be critical. And, uh, and, and I remember even, I remember, I remember getting those unsigned letters and quite frankly, Every pastor gets them, and we swear we won't read them, and we always do. (laughs) And those are the lines that we remember more than the the encouraging notes we get. Uh, They're they're just damaging, these these negative things that are said to pastors Hmm. who are are giving out. I mean, there's no such thing as a 9 to 5 for a pastor. No pastor is ever overpaid. No pastor is ever secure in his work because if the people rise up and revolt, he's out. I mean, the the list goes on. It's a very vulnerable and insecure position because most families tend, and I hate to be negative myself, but there's a lot of roast preachers being served every Sunday at lunch, and it's difficult. That job is a difficult thing, but they're doing it Hmm. not because they have six, skin, as many would say, because there's no such thing as the pastor with thick skin. They have thin skin. That's the reason why they, they were pulled into the work because they felt such a need and they they responded to what the Lord called. They didn't have thick skin, they had thin skin. But when they give us out the word of God, even as Jeremiah or John the Baptist, there's a great deal of hostility that pushes back because the word of God pushes against the culture. And when a man and woman of God teaches Against the culture, there will be a massive uh, a pushback to that. And that comes in the way of criticism and negative talk and negative comments. And so when encouragement comes, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air, a cold drink on a hot day. It's a marvelous thing, and pastors will love you forever for it.
2: <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's a good word. And it's also reminding, and I, just as an encouragement to the folks listening in to be thankful and uh, and to take that time. It's not complicated. doesn't have to involve a lot, but just that good work can really go a long way. Uh, the book we're talking about, if you're just tuning in, it's the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Ron Walters is our guest, longtime pastor, radio guy, uh, has worked for Salem uh, Media Group, our parent company, for many years, including traveling the country quite a bit from the different pastors events we've had and women events we've had and other things to encourage, chiefly, each market as they seek to connect with their local uh, pastors and community. So uh, the book that we're just chatting about a little bit today is called Letters to Pastors. Uh, is there a, a method to the madness about what went into the, the 50 that made the book? Because again, there were many more that
4: weren't. There really was no method to the madness. In fact, I literally just chose 50 consecutive months. I didn't go through and pick out the best of or my favorites, or I just chose 50 straight months and, and put them in and just because I didn't know what to do and, and so I left it at that and okay. let the Lord do the rest. All right.
2: We have one final break I want to take and if I get a chance I want to actually read one of the letters I read one near the opening of the program I'd like to slip in one more before we're done here quick break though our final one and then we'll come back keep our conversation with Ron Walters going and if we have a chance give you an example of what we're talking about From the book, Letters to Pastors, Ron Walters, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show and
1: WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL? Email D at wfil.com.
2: I'm coming in. Yeah, like over 95 hot today. So, to help cool you down, giving away gift cards to Aritas, courtesy of or Chevrolet in Jenkintown. Send me a quick text if you want to win one. 610 500 dub 610-500-3683. just need your name and the word us. and we'll make a number of winners. So get yourself in the mix for that. 610-500-3683. That's the text line direct to yours truly. Wrapping up our conversation with Ron Walters, chatting about his book letters to pastors, which recommended by the title to be for pastors, but also I think it's great for an individual to read through perhaps around the dinner table each chapter short, uh, they pack a lot, but just a, a couple pages or so per chapter, which I would think these days, Ron, makes her, you know, more easily appealing because of the ability, you know, of a fast-paced culture we find ourselves in.
4: Yeah, they are. You, you got to capture them. You know, I just read the other day that, that uh, who was it, was Harvard, I think, came out and said that the attention span of a human being is less now than a goldfish. Ah, <laughs> that's frightening, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, uh we appreciate this book, uh, you know, and, and being able to let folks know about it, uh, is there a best way to get a copy and or, I know I mentioned our website as far as the the pastor's letters, beyond the book, is there any way for people to get back issues, if you will, of letters that have been written?
4: Uh, that's a great question, Tim, and I don't really have an answer. I don't sell the book. I mean, they can be purchased on, I guess, eBay and Zulon Press Who who published it, Okay, uh, probably uh, Barnes & Noble, you know, could even provide it. I'm not really sure. Great question, though.
2: Okay. Letters to Pastors is what it's called. Ron Walters, our guest, who has worked in radio for many years and also uh, with Salem, our parent company, for many years, toured the country, helping with a lot of the pastors' events and women's events that many in our WFI listening audience would be familiar with, having attended them. But the book itself, while well, for pastors and providing, as Ron mentioned, stealable material to uh, to use in their sermons. Uh, also, I think applicable. Anybody could learn from, uh, from you know what you've written in these pages, which le- leads me to kind of my last question for you. Stepping back away from the book, away from the radio, away from the pastorate, even. What have you learned about God Himself as you've grown in your
4: faith over the years? You know, the the older I've gotten, the the I think that my my understanding of Him has <laughs> maybe been reduced, hmm. has been condensed two, three things. Uh, and, And interestingly enough, it's the first three things in Scripture that God ever says about Himself, which is interesting. It's not what He says about mankind, not what He says about creation, but what God says about Himself. And it's fascinating, and they are, number one, God says, I take care of my own. Number two, He says, I keep my promises. And number three, he says, I'm big. Really big. Those are the first three things that God ever says about himself in scripture, they're all found in Genesis. Now, Tim, let me book you that. The last three things that God ever says about himself are found in Revelation. And they are number one, I take care of my own. Two, I keep my promises. And three, I'm big, really big. Hmm. What that shows me is that God opens and closes Scripture with a, with a visual of who He is. We could never capture how big or how wonderful or how anything, but He is big, and He's bigger than any of our problems at all times. All of Scripture in between sits between the bookcases of those three things that he takes care of his own, that he keeps his promises, and he's really big. And, And we can trust him no matter what the trials are, whether it's a pandemic, no matter if it's a whatever it is, a loss of a loved one, no matter if it's a loss of a job, we can trust him no matter what because he takes care of his own, he keeps his promises, and he's really big.
2: Amen. That's great. I love it. I love it. And as any good pastor, you have three points there. Three things, right? (laughs) One, two, and three.
4: Some habits we just can't break, Yeah.
2: No, that's a great thing. It really is. And uh, it's taken a while for us. We've been trying to get back and forth to find the time we could work out having you on the program, and I'm really glad uh, that it's connected and want to point people again to two things. The book itself, Letters to Pastors by Ron Walters, Uh, 50 of these, 2 really two pages, two or three pages at the most, uh, which pack a lot into the pages and, um, and as far as encouragement for pastors. But again, anybody I think could pick it up and be encouraged and in a creative way, whether the the, the little bit of a, a story tease or, or angle is on his something historical or something from nature or something. But, but kind of like fun facts, but really a bunch of pointing to scriptural truth and uh, illustrations. Uh, so that's that. And then also just on a monthly basis, folks are welcome to go to WFIL.com. And you click on the More tab. One of the uh, things there says uh, Grow Your Faith. And the Ron Walters uh, Pastor's letter there is. you can read it there on the site, which is fine. But you can also have it emailed to you directly so you don't have to go through the site to get it. So feel free to do that. And it's really great to to hear your voice. It's been a little while. And um, hopefully we get a chance to see you again out this way uh, before too long, one way or another. And in the meantime, the telephone works nicely to to share you with the audience. I wanted to have that chance to use this program to, to share, you know, your lifelong wisdom and passion for the Lord and, and for encouragement with the listeners. So thank you for doing that
4: today. Thanks. Thank you, Tammy. It's a delight just to get to visit with you again. You're, you're a good man, Charlie Brown, and I <laughs> love the city in which you minister. You're doing a great job. Thank you,
2: sir. I was Snoopy, by the way, in that play <laughs> in, in 10th grade. Oh, no! I wanted to be Linus cause I thought Linus was the, uh, you know, the witty one with the whatever, but then I came, yeah. to, I came to find out that Snoopy was actually pretty witty too. I guess I had never really thought of it that way. So <laughs> anyhow, well, God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll look forward to having you on again sometime. I'd love it, Kim. Thank you, buddy. All right, Ron Walters, our guest, Letters to Pastors. Let me read chapter 25. It's just a couple pages. That's the whole beauty of the book, part of the beauty of the book. This one's called Innovative Thinking. I have just enough time to squeeze this in. His friends called him Hitch. His mother called him Alfred. Hollywood called him genius. For 50 years, Alfred Hitchcock served as the dean of movie makers, virtually rewriting the filmmaking rules. No one created suspense or subtext quite like him. For example, he dared to film the most memorable scene of North by Northwest without dialogue or background music. His unique camera angles made Psycho the icon of chiller flicks. For two generations, Alfred Hitchcock was the maestro of mystery, the Caesar of cinema. He was the biggest box office attraction of his day, even more than the young beauties who starred in his films. But like all mortal gods, Hitchcock admittedly and ultimately met his match. Boredom was his dreaded foe. His director's chair had become all too familiar. The job was mundane and monotonous, just another day on the rock pile. In an effort to rekindle his passion, Hitchcock devised an innovative plan to jumpstart his movie-making enthusiasm. Cameo appearances. His cameos became a game. Where would the famed director hide his mugshot next? It was an early version of Where's Waldo? If you're in search mode, here's where to look. In North by Northwest, he spotted missing a bus, during the opening credits. In The Birds, he's found walking past a pet shop with two white terriers as Tippy Hedren appears. And those are several others that are listed here. In Lifeboat, he was faced with his most difficult assignment, how to create a cameo when the entire film takes place in a nine-person raft. Innovation is the oxygen for the suffocating nine-to-five routine. The straight line of conformity is poison to the power of imagination. Innovative backroads, though often more winding, are far less congested and oh so refreshing. Over the centuries, the people of God have been criticized for their lack of innovation. We're better known for our traditions than we are for our ideas. In a world of pigeons, we're considered statues. But the truth is, we come from a long line of innovators. Noah, the shipbuilder, used his large barge as a visual aid to proclaim the gospel. Joshua's ringing of Jericho was not a normal battle strategy. Solomon's temple was one of a kind. John the Baptist's wardrobe still hasn't caught on. And you get the idea. No, the spokesmen of God have never been ordinary. Throughout Scripture, wherever God empowered his leadership team, it was always characterized by innovation, never status quo. Innovative thinking has always been a hallmark of God's leaders. It's what keeps us fresh and engaging, and was for that reason why Paul told Timothy, uh, stir up that inner fire which God gave you. Regain that passion. Turn the mixer to whip and watch things happen. That's chapter 25 from Ron Rawler's book, Letters to Pastors. Highly recommend that. Grab the podcast of our program today on our homepage, WFIL.com. About an hour from now, it'll be available for you.
1: Thanks for listening in. Have a great evening. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from four till five on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com